thank you to whoever's pulling the pulpit over for me this morning. Lifting it over, not pulling it over. Shoot. Thank you, you flood under that warm floodlight today. It's fine. Thank you. Hey, some great news. We have a new keyboard. Has anybody noticed? I mean, a gift. And we have a keyboard. Yeah, God is so good. Just a couple of things before we start. Sandy um, is in contact with um, a mum who has a 15-month-old little boy, boy, um, who has no shoes. And mum has no money to go buy the shoes. So I'm sure amongst us, someone has either got a pair of little boy's 15-month-old shoes or someone would like to provide them. So if that's you, could you please talk to Sandy after church? Now, Sunday fun day. Hey, it's not just going to be all hard work. It's going to be fun for us as well. This is Sunday fun day. No church on the 29th of August. We're all going down to the Civic Centre. No one is having a lie-in. No one is staying home and watching church in their pyjamas on the telly. We're all going to be down at Sunday Fun Day having fun. I still need people to volunteer for the set-up and clean-up team. I still need people to be part of the beanbag toss. And da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Face painting, but you have to be of a high calibre to be a face painter. I'm just saying it because they really go all out with the kids for that. So just saying, oh my gosh, I heard that. And I still need one more person to provide a toddler's ride-on toy, plastic toy. You know those scoot-along things. We have four in the crèche, we need five. And I still need helpers for that. Thank you for everyone who's offered to bake. If you haven't put your name down, perhaps you might like to. Because this is our fun day too. This is our day of serving the community. And um, yeah, it's gonna, I'm looking forward to it. Um, oh my gosh, it's the third Sunday. So what's happening tonight at 5.30? Um, it starts at 10.30, but if you're helping, you need to be there. At, um, I will tell you exactly next week. Thank you. I will let you know. I don't want to say the time because I might have it slightly wrong in my memory. I will tell you next week what time. It's, still, it's here at the front at the moment. After church, sweetheart, after church. So, what is happening tonight here at church at 5.30? Would you like to say it louder, you two ladies? Thank you. So, everybody heard that? 5.30 tonight, prayer meeting. Thank you for your attendance, declaring it in advance. So, with that in mind, let me pray for our message this morning. 
Father, I pray that the message this morning will be a help to us in our Christian walk and that you, Lord, will reveal your heart to us as we read your word this morning. I pray that a mantle of prayer will fall on us here as we grasp again how powerful and precious is the gift of prayer. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning is taken from Colossians 1. And I love studying Paul's letters, you know. There is so much to absorb um, that every time you come again to these, these letters that Paul wrote, you see something new before you. Maybe the words that you're reading may be familiar to you, but the Holy Spirit reveals something afresh to you in it. There is so much depth. In the, um, in the prayers, that in the letters that Paul has written. And there is a bit of a pattern in them too, you will see, as you notice. But I love all the way from Romans that builds precept on precept on precept about Christianity and about what it is and about what it's not. And right through to all the letters, the ones we particularly love of Philippians and Ephesians. So... If you are not familiar with Paul's letters, I encourage you to get into them, ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to you through them. So now Betsy's going to come and read our scripture, Colossians 1, 1 to 14. Thanks, Bex. Oh, happy birthday. This is the birthday girl today. Five, a big five today. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to God's holy people in Colossae, the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God, our Father. Thanksgiving prayer. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all God's people, the faith and love that spring from the hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel that has come to you. In the same way, the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understood God's grace. You learned it from Epaphras, our God fellow servant, who is faithful, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience in giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of, of his holy people in the kingdom of light. 
For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Thank you. Hey, Rebecca, just a little hint. When you come to a word that you're not sure how to pronounce, you just say it very confidently, and then everybody in the room except probably Selwyn and Alan will think, oh, I've often wondered how, I've often wondered how you pronounce that. That's how you pronounce that. And Selwyn and Alan are so full of grace, they'll either come and kindly say, actually, you say it like this, or they'll just ignore it. So that's just a little hint to everybody who gets asked to read aloud, because don't you hate it when someone asks you to read and you've got, look at the passage, and there's all those names there. (coughs) Oh, well, there is just so much we can look at in these few verses. I've been camped out in them for over a week now and I still keep plummeting to deeper understanding of Paul's heart, his love for God and his love for people. My focus this morning is going to be on the prayer he prays. Um, Have we mentioned there's a prayer meeting tonight at 5.30? Um, We have? Oh, okay. Um, My prayer... Tongues on the cheek. He prays for the Colossians, but first let's take a quick look at what comes before his prayer. This letter was written while Paul was in prison, and it was written to both encourage um, the Colossians and to address errors in the church and to show the believers that they have everything they need in Christ. As far as we are aware, Paul never visited um, Colossae. This church was planted by Epaphras, or however Rebecca said his name, a convert from Paul's missionary travels. Paul starts his letter by introducing himself and establishing his credentials. He is saying that even though he was not one of the original apostles, he has been called into this role of an apostle by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then he starts his letter with grace and peace to you. Notice in all of Paul's letters, grace comes before peace. It is only as we understand and trust in God's great grace that we will have peace. I don't have time to expand that fully today. I do have a little bit more to say about grace as we move on through the passage, but please can I encourage you, make the time at home to ponder these things because although in the natural, they're just two very, very simple words, underneath lie deep, deep spiritual truths. Let me repeat what I said about it. It is only as we understand and trust in God's great grace that we will have his peace. Think back to my message last week and how I spoke about the parable of the sower and how many believers live in the soil of worry, deceitfulness of wealth and desires for other things and when you truly understand the depth of God's grace, those things in that soil will be replaced with his peace 
and confidence in who he is and who he says he is and what he will do. Now note how Paul continues. I love this. He doesn't continue with, look, you dirty rotten sinners, you were told the gospel, why have you so easily been led astray? He doesn't do that because there is no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. He starts, verse 3 to 8, let's read it. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have um, for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from that guy again, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf, and who has told us of your love in the Spirit. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine receiving a letter like this, reading these things about yourself? What would it do for you? What did it do to the Colossians to know that they were on the great Apostle Paul's prayer list? What do you reckon that would do for them? Wow, this great guy, he doesn't even, never even met us, and yet he's praying for us. Not only is he praying for us, he's thankful for us. There are so many sidetracks I could take this morning in these few verses of Scripture. I have to be very careful I stay on track. We thank God for you. Thanksgiving will take you places in God that nothing else will. Some of you will know the old hymn, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. You know, that is what we constantly need to be doing, remembering all that God has done for us and be thankful for it. The friends he's put across our path, the people he's called to come alongside us and disciple us, the books, the t- oh, not tapes anymore, but they were for me, the books, the teachings, the podcasts he's put across our path that we can grow and be thankful Be thankful for them. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 8. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. This isn't a suggestion. This is a strong encouragement to do it. And co- a command, really. Be joyful always. 
Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Please note it doesn't say you give thanks for the circumstances. That's a teaching over in James chapter 1, verse 2. But he's saying you still give thanks in all situations. But why do we do that? Because God is good all the time. No matter what's going on in our lives, God is still good. He is still in control, and we can be thankful. When we have a prayer discipline of thankfulness, it builds our faith. We remember what God has done in the past. We remember scriptures like Romans 8, 28, that in all things God works um, for the good of those who love him in accord according to his purposes. And all things, come on church, what does all mean? All means no matter what we are facing, God is working good for us. Now surely that is something to be thankful about. But if that isn't enough, read the verse before verse 28, which for you that know maths, 28 minus 1 is 27. Verse 27. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because, listen, the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Did you catch that? We might not be on the Apostle Paul's prayer list, but we are on the Holy Spirit's prayer list. Pause and let that settle in that you are being prayed for constantly by the Holy Spirit. How can we lose? How can we lose when that is what is happening? Thank you. Someone's listening to me this morning. You know, I love in this letter, can you just hear Paul's joy? Remember, he is a prisoner, not in a damp, stinky dungeon. He's on house arrest probably chained to a soldier or whatever the equivalent of an ankle bracelet was back in those days. So he is allowed visitors, and one of these has brought him and Timothy the news that the Colossian believers are full of faith. They have love for each other, that the gospel is flourishing and bearing fruit amongst them. Can you imagine what that did for Paul? Here he is in prison because he has been sharing the gospel. And he gets news like this. You know, I don't know if Paul ever got discouraged and thought, what am I doing here? I could be out telling other people about the gospel, writing off these letters to encourage people, having absolutely no clue that here all these thousands of years later, we would still be reading Paul's letters. They would still be encouraging us. You see, God works all things to good. We have... We are receiving the good from Paul being in prison because we have his letters today. He was in prison. He had time to write them. Wow. that must, I just think how encouraging that must have been. You know, um, I, don't, I think I might have told you, but never mind. I, I can't remember, so you won't remember. When I was at Refresher, <laughs> when I was down at Refresher, a girl... Well, a woman came to me 
And she said, oh, do you remember me? And I said, no. And um, I knew who she was, but I didn't remember having met her. And she said, I came to this event. I'm not going into all the deep details. And I wanted a second baby, and I came up to you, and you prayed for me, and I got pregnant. Do you know what that did to me? How that encouraged me to keep praying for her? She was at flourish, but she didn't want me to clap hands on her and pray for her again. You know, I had no clue what the outcome of that prayer was. And I want to encourage you because you don't know what the outcome of the prayers that you are praying in most cases. It won't be until we get up there that we will know. So I know how that must have gladdened his heart. You know, I just see he got this good news and he just, Timothy, where's my laptop? Um, quill and a piece of paper. Let me write to these people. I am so excited to hear their news. Whew. Now, the second part of verse 6 is worthy of a closer look. So read verse 6 with me again. Back in Colossians 1. I forgot to look at what time I started. Too bad, never mind. Um, All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. The gospel bore fruit since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. There is a big gap between hearing and understanding. You can hear about God's grace, but it's totally different when you understand it. Let me give you an example. Friday night, I had two of my granddaughters in fits of laughter because I dared to ask their mother what a meme was. In fact, I pronounced it with the E on the end of the word. And she said to me, I'm sure you know what that is. I think the word you're looking for is mean. And I hear in the background, seriously, is Nana asking you what a meme is? Hysterics. If you don't know what a meme is, I suggest you talk to someone who's technologically minded and they will explain it to you. But you see, I had heard that word. I had read that word but I didn't have a clue what of all these things, pictures and things uh, came up on my computer. I didn't know which one of them was a meme. I heard, heard the word, now I understand what one is. You know what though, those laughing grandchildren, it doesn't hurt to remind your kids sometimes when they do the eye roll at you, or perhaps your kids don't, I don't know, that if it wasn't for me, for my love, my care, my patient endurance, they'd still be walking around in dirty naps. And I just think it's good to remind them of that sometime because if nothing else, it stops them rolling their eyes at you. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, gosh. No wonder my kids are traumatized. No, they're not in Jesus' name. Right, where am I up to? 
Right, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15. One of my favourite, favourite verses, which you will all know because I say it often. See to it. Whoops, I better read it. Hang on. See to it, not only that you don't miss the grace of God, but that no others miss the grace of God. See to it. That's pretty powerful. See to it. Take responsibility for this truth, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of others. Oh, oh man, I so want to stop and investigate this more. But it's prayer I have to focus on this morning because that's what I believe the Lord wants shared. But I hope this is whetting your spiritual appetites and you will go home and read and study these few verses. Then get with a friend during the week and discuss what you have discovered. That's how you grow yourself and that's how you grow others. When you can put in words to tell someone else what you have read and what you have understood from the Bible, then you will grow. (coughs) (coughs) To miss the grace of God is to miss what gives us hope and all that frees us from bondage. (coughs) Jesus died to set us free from the bondage of human effort. The bondage of having to be good enough for God. That's grace. Look now to Hebrews 4. Verse 16, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God does not condemn us. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace which we can approach with great confidence that God will supply what it is that we need. When you go to him with your needs, visualize him on that throne, which must be so, so beautiful because it's a throne of of grace. It's not the great white throne of judgment. That's for later, for those who have not accepted Jesus. This is the throne of grace where he just waits for us to run boldly into for the things that we need. Oh, please, please study up on grace until you truly understand it and the great, amazing gifts God has given us. You know, don't just settle for dabbling your toes in the lake of grace. Plunge into its fullness and its truth. Um, Did I mention there's a prayer meeting tonight here at 5.30? Just wondering. So Paul's prayer is in two parts. And now we come to the second part, verse 9. For this reason... 
since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. <coughs> we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. He prays this prayer, and then he goes on to tell them why he is praying in this way. Do we have that slide up, Rebecca? Thanks. No, the one that lists all the things. <coughs> okay. He prays it that they will be filled with the knowledge of God's will. That, that, so that they would have spiritual wisdom and insight into what God's will is. Number two, he's praying it so that they will be able to walk in a manner worthy of their identification with Christ. God will enable them to live their life in accordance with who they are in Christ, enabling them that their lives will match up to the calling not to the world's ways. Able to walk in a manner that is pleasing to God. In other words, they will have a heart that reflects God's heart. Number four, they will be able to bear fruit in every good work. You know, that points back to last week's message on the parable of the sower, and it points forward to the rewards that await us in heaven. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter um, 3. <coughs> Starting at verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation which is the foundation of Christ, using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay or straw, his work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each one's work. If what they have built survives, they will receive the reward. If it is burned up, they will suffer loss. They will be saved but only as one escaping through the flames. This is talking about when we stand before Christ to receive, well, to give an account for what we have done with what he has given to us. 
the things that we have done with Christ-like heart, the things that we have done well, the things that we have done giving him the glory will remain. The things that we might have done in his name with a stinking bad attitude, I doubt they will remain. The things we have done in our own strength and not the strength of the Holy Spirit, they will be burned up. We will stand, I was going to say naked, but I don't mean naked, 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 exposed, exposed for what we have done while we were here on earth with what God has given to us. And I just think we need to be aware of these scriptures. You know, one day we will stand before him. One day we will give an account. You know, the scariest scripture, I reckon, in the Bible is we will give an account for every idle word we have spoken. And someone said to me once, what about if we've already repented of it? I said, I don't know. It doesn't say. It doesn't say if you've repented, you'll be all right. You know, can you imagine standing there in front of all the rest of you and everybody else that knows you and every idle word that's ever come out of your mouth is exposed? That's nightmare stuff, church, but it's written in the Bible. Just saying. Just saying. <coughs> Let's move on to six. Being strengthened with all power so that we may have great endurance and patience. The power to endure hardship, trials, tragedy, etc. We don't endure in our own strength but through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't ever give up on your calling. Just because it gets tough or others think it's time you should pass on the baton or you feel underappreciated or you get discouraged. Don't give up. Push through. Tap into the Holy Spirit for his breakthrough. Because again, there is a very strong warning in Revelations chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus speaking, I am coming soon. Hold fast to what you have so that no one will take your crown. Oh my gosh. This is in the Bible. I'm not making it up. Whether what you're called to do is in your workplace, in the home, ministering in the church, whatever the call on your life is, never, never, never give it up. Never, never, never put it down until God says to you, time's up. You know, it's been said to me, um, and I'm just going to put it out here this morning. It's been said to me that it's time that you retire now. This was back when I was 68, so this was a few years ago. And I thought, yeah, I would love to, but God has not released me. I have been before the Lord, and he has asked me to stay at my post. So I have to take a hold of that, and just because other people... Even another minister said to me, oh, but you need to retire and enjoy your retirement. And I'm thinking, show me a scripture for that. You know, what is it? What is the call on your life? And if God hasn't told you to put it down, don't put it down. Be faithful. Stand at your post so that you will not lose the crown. What does that mean? Well, this is what I think it means. It means 
if you lay down what the call of God is on your life and you miss your crown, the person who's going to get your crown is the person who picks up and does what you were called to do. That's what I think that means. If you recognize, if you know that you have given up some of your calling, then I suggest strongly, urge actually, you go before God and you ask him, well, of course you repent, and you ask him to give back to you what it is that you gave away. You know, the, the main reason from my experience of watching people that they give up the call on their life, it's because they're doing the work of God in their own strength or they're doing things that God has not asked them to do and they're not doing it in the power of the Holy Spirit. If we look to the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, then we will be able to patiently and joyfully endure and live our life well for God. <coughs> Finally, number seven, to share in the kingdom inheritance that awaits us. What a prayer. And here's the good news. We don't have to wait for someone else to pray that for us. We can pray it for ourselves, and we can pray it for others. Um, have I mentioned today there's a prayer meeting at 5.30 tonight. Just saying. Is it? There's nothing wrong with my memory. I just think there might be with yours. In these few verses at the beginning of Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, we learn so much about how he prayed. The words really are quite simple. Verse 3, we always thank God for you when we pray. And then he goes on to tell them why he is thankful for them. Then in verse 9, he prays again. We constantly ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Simple words, but prayed in the power of the Holy Spirit, dynamically powerful words. I can visualize Paul and Timothy, because I am quite a visual person, and I can visualize Paul and Timothy. Timothy is with Paul when he's writing this letter. They have had news of the church, so many positive things to be thankful about, but on the other hand, there is wrong teaching that has crept in. I see them going to God and asking him, Lord, what prayer needs to be prayed for these people? What is on your heart for the church that needs to be prayed? And I believe they received back from the Holy Spirit, pray for me to fill them with the knowledge of my will. Simple but profound. 
I've said this one before. When you are praying for someone, pause and ask God, what do you want prayed into this situation? What are you doing in this dearling's life? Because it's easy for us to look in and think we know what they need. Oh, we can see what everybody needs, all right. We can see that. But what's on God's heart for them? And pray God's heart. And so in closing this morning, I am going to pray Paul's prayer for us. Let me pray. (coughs) Thank you, Father, for your goodness to us, for bringing us this far by your grace. Confident you will lead us on in your grace and your goodness. I give thanks for each one here for the way each one allows you, Holy Spirit, to express yourself through their life. I also ask for us that you will fill us with the knowledge of your will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we come now (coughs) to a time of communion, let me encourage you from verse 14. Actually, 13, talking about Jesus. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. As you take the emblems this morning, I encourage you to give thanks to God for these things listed here and for the other things that he has done, but above all else, for his goodness in sending us Jesus, whose body was broken that our bodies may be whole, whose blood was shed that our sins would be forgiven, that he rose again from the dead that we could partake of that resurrected life. These great and mighty things that God has done for us. Let's give him thanks. Amen. Please serve yourself. If you suffer from diabetes type
just before I close with the blessing, of course I know you will all remember to pray for Jacob, Alessia and their little boy. But also, can I ask you for your prayers this week? Um, I did mention it last week, but on Saturday, I'm taking a family funeral for a 26-year-old that died suddenly, not suicide. It was a medical reason. And um, those people on the front row are going to be very dear to my heart, and it's going to be extremely emotional. We know that. It's a young person that's died suddenly. And I would just value your prayers for me and for the family as I prepare to take that that funeral. Um, thank you. I would be grateful for that. Please stand for the blessing. It's been quite a morning, hasn't it, really? There is no new text, and I've just checked to see. May the Lord bless us and keep us. May the Lord make his face shine upon us, be gracious to us, and give us peace all the days of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. And Rebecca, I think there's one more slide, isn't there? Please stay for a cup of tea if you would like prayer for any reason. Um, we would love to pray with you. Pray, please remember to look into grace this during week. And please remember to sign up for Sunday Fun Day. And we all wait with anticipation. It's coming. Be patient, everybody. I just don't want anyone to miss out on this event. Just in case anyone's forgotten. Thank you, Rebecca. Oh, I don't know. I can't remember if I said it during in the notices or not. We'll have a great week in him. Oh, I think so. Is it in the newsletter? Check the newsletter.